Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. It's good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It is Monday, December 13th, 2021. I come to you each morning around this time uh, to consider God's Word together, to pray together, to confess our doctrine according to the small catechism together. And of course, um, to to uh, pray for one another. I think I said that already. Well, anyway, <laughs> today we'll continue our catechesis. We'll look at uh, St. Matthew, actually, and the infancy narrative there, which is, of course, a lot more brief than that in St. Luke. So it only takes us one day. <laughs> Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We say our memory verse for this week together. Every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. 1 Timothy 4, verses 4 through 5. All right, this has to do uh, with our catechism for this week, which will be the fourth petition of the Lord's Prayer, Give Us This Day Our Daily Bread. In regards to what is good for the body, uh, here it says every creature of God is good to be eaten. This is about eating. This is about food, right? If it's refused, uh, or if it's received, I should say, with thanksgiving and made sanctified by the word of God in prayer. This has to do with uh, food sacrifice to idols in particular, but also the Old Testament prohibitions against uh, certain animals and certain foods. This, of course, does not... Uh, um, ignore the the truth that uh, not all food is always uh, healthy uh, for every individual, right? Um, not everything processed by the uh, food production plant is good for eating, <laughs> or at least not consistently, maybe only uh, as a treat here and there. Uh, so, you know, it doesn't mean that everything, you can eat anything and, and it will never harm you if you pray over it, but rather uh, this has to do with the conscience and the eating of food um, that God had either prohibited or that had been sacrificed to idols, etc., um, but that is inherently good for you, right? Um, that those those foods can be sanctified by the Word of God in prayer. That is set apart by God's Word and by prayer, right? This is why we pray over our food before we receive it. Okay. Our psalm this week um, is, I suppose, a controversial psalm, maybe. Um, only controversial if uh, you've never heard it before, but... Uh, in actuality, it's, I think, actually, it's comforting in, in its own particular way. And we'll talk about that as the week uh, goes along. All right. Psalm 137. By the waters of Babylon, there we sat down and wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there, we hung up our lyres. For there our captors required of us songs and our tormentors mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you. 
if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem. How they said, lay it bare, lay it bare, down to its foundations. O daughter of Babylon, doomed to be destroyed, blessed shall he be who repays you with what you have done to us. Blessed shall he be who takes your little ones and dashes them against the rocks. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. All right. Um, this is a psalm that uh, we often hear discussed uh, when I talk about the church here, uh, in particular when we begin the Gesema Sundays, which conclude the season of Epiphany, um, and the three Sundays leading into uh, the Sundays of Lent. Um, the Gesemas and Lent uh, historically are more of one season, and mimicking here the 70 or so years that the, God's people were in exile in Babylon. Right? Um, so you'll note on the last Sunday of Epiphany, we hang up our harps right, on the willow trees, we, and we cease to sing alleluias for a time. Um, Alleluia, Song of Gladness, refers to this psalm. That's the hymn that refers to this psalm. Um, and so it's kind of ironic that it's not included in the hymnal when the hymn itself um, refers us to it. right? Um, but we'll talk more about that as the week goes. Okay, first reading today is the prophetic word from Isaiah chapter 7. Moreover, the Lord spoke again to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign for yourself from the Lord your God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, nor will I test the Lord. Then he said, Hear now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men? But will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive excuse me, and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. All right, so we have the king, Ahaz, of the house of David, and uh, the Lord instructs him to ask for a sign. He refuses, but God says, I'll give you a sign anyway, <laughs> even though you refuse. Um, and here's the sign. Uh, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and call his name Emmanuel. All right. Uh, and then we've talked about this prophecy before. I think I mentioned it last week. But uh, um, Ahaz does have a, a young wife who bears him a son. And so in one sense, it's fulfilled, right? And the king is the embodiment of um, Israel, um, or really the embodiment of God um, on behalf of Israel. The king is God's representative. Remember when they asked for a king? Um, this was before Saul, of course. When they asked for a king, uh, God says, why do you need a king? You already have one, right? And he's referring to himself. I'm paraphrasing. He's referring to himself, right? So there is a way that um, the kings end up trying to supplant the fear, love, and trust that belongs to God alone. Um, but he, but the faithful kings serve in his stead. They're um, ambassadors, if you like, of the true king. All right. So Ahaz kind of represents that in a way. Then our reading now for catechesis um, is Matthew's brief account of the birth of Christ. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people 
from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had uh, commanded him, and took, took to him his wife, and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. All right, very good. So, to whom was um, Joseph engaged? That would be Mary, or the other way around, to whom was Mary engaged? Joseph. Very, <laughs> that's better. All right. Um, let's see. Now, looking at the reading, you've got it all there on your screen. Um, how many times does Matthew emphasize the fact that Mary uh, was a virgin? I think it's more times than what you would expect. How many times does he emphasize uh, that she was a virgin? All right, well, let's look at look at all the ways here. We've got um, betrothed Jesus, Jesus before they came together. Very good. All right. Um, actually, this is being a just man, right? So he's a righteous man. He uh, would not conceive outside of wedlock. So that's actually the second. All right. Uh, let's see. Ah, the virgin shall be with child here in Isaiah, from the prophecy Isaiah. Um, right here, Joseph again did not know her until she had brought forth the firstborn son. So there's four. I'm really, actually, uh, found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. That which is conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit, not by natural conception. All right, so you have a, a few different examples there, right? All right, very good. Uh, why did Joseph think, it says he would put her away quietly, um, divorce her? Again, this statement, that he is a just man, right? And then Matthew explains what this means, all right? He's righteous. He, he does what is uh, best for his neighbor, right? In this case, Mary. Um, so divide, despite what he suspects is infidelity, he uh, isn't going to make a, like a scarlet letter, a mockery of her. Actually, really, the scarlet letter is kind of the opposite uh, of this story. If you know uh, that Nathaniel Hawthorne, I think, right? Scarlet letter, right? That's where the where the where the pastor um, conceives by way of the girl, but then makes a public public mockery of her wearing the scarlet. And it turns out that he was the one. He was the father. Um, so this is the opposite of that. He's not going to make a public example. He's going to put her away secretly. I don't know, maybe they'll give up the child for adoption, that kind of idea, right? Uh, this is this was kind of actually a common practice for um, uh, young women who conceived out of wedlock in our churches. Uh, there's that they would go to live with an aunt or a grandmother or somewhere, um, bear the child, uh, and then another would raise the child in her place. Uh, we, we had many adoption agencies. This was a very... We're trying to avoid the public scandal. I mean, there is still some scandal. People would ask questions, I'm sure, that sort of thing. Um, but rather than have that weigh upon both the girl, she would then continue to bear the child and, and deliver the child. Um, because, of course, that's a life given to us by God, even despite the circumstances. Um, but two, you know, the weight of, you know, the public shame and mockery that would be brought upon her um, for doing something that's uh, quite natural, uh, even if it is contrary to God's command, right? So, um, yeah. So Joseph has the same idea here in mind. And maybe maybe that's where that practice came from, you know. Uh, but Joseph was warned in a dream, right? 
and there it's an angel of the Lord appeared to him in the dream to warn him not to put her away quietly. That is to divorce her, to break off the engagement. Um, their, their idea of betrothal is different than our engagement. Uh, it's not a one-to-one correlation, but for the sake of analogy, it's as close as, as we need to get. All right. Um, now, who's, to whom should we compare this Joseph? Matthew doesn't give us much here, but I think uh, you think of like the genealogy in Matthew, it gives it at the beginning in chapter one, gives us a pretty big hint of who we should be looking at here because Jacob is mentioned. And of course, Judah, who's Jacob's son, but maybe one of Jacob's other sons. How about the other Joseph, right? This is not immaterial, I think. Um, the two are very similar. Both, both are, are warned by God in dreams, right? And instructed and directed by God in dreams, right? Um, both are God's chosen instrument to save people from uh, famine. And then you'll especially see this play out in Matthew in the next chapter when uh, Joseph takes Jesus and his mother down to um, Egypt. And then, of course, Matthew will remind us, out of Egypt I have called my son, right? Referring to the way that Joseph preserves God, God's people um, in Egypt until he, he's del- they're delivered by way of God's uh, ambassador Moses, right? Um, there's another story, though, with Joseph that I think is a parallel, not just the dreams and the way that Joseph ends up being the savior, but think of um, the accusation of sexual immorality that was leveled against him by Potiphar's wife. Now, there was no infidelity, but there was no adultery, there was sexual immorality, right? I mean, I, obviously, Potiphar's wife has. Um, she's setting him up, right? She's lusted after him. Right, so Potiphar's wife is the one with the who's sexually immoral, breaking the uh, sixth commandment. But um, Joseph is accused, so we have that same kind of thing here, um, where it's kind of the inverse, where Joseph, rather than level the charge against Mary, um, resolves to put her away quietly and not to make public disgrace of her. Right, in other words, to forgive her. What does uh, the name Jesus mean? <laughs> Matthew tells us straight up, verse twenty-one: For he will save his people from their sins, right? Beautiful, right? Um, by the way, the Hebrew, I mean, we call him Jesus in the English translations, uh, but if you look at it in the Greek, it's actually the same name as Joshua, right? So Jesus is our new Joshua, as much as he's our new Adam or the new David or the new uh, Elijah, right? Jesus is the um, culmination of all of those uh, prophetic figures or Old Testament figures, including Joshua. Remember what Joshua did? He brought God's people um, finally out of the wilderness into the promised land, delivered them safely um, into the land that the Lord had promised to give them, right? And he does it by way of Joshua. Again, and Joshua means the Lord will save. Um, now, the virgin birth, uh, uh, the children asked about this. Well, why was why did she have to be a virgin? And we talked about it last week. It's worth reiterating. Um, first is that Jesus uh, must be in every way like us uh, in order to save us, yet without sin, right? Because if he had sin, then he'd need to, himself would need saving, right? So he is without sin in order to save us, take all of our sins upon himself, and yet he is true man, born of the Virgin Mary, right? Um, So that's one reason. The other reason, I think, is actually the prophecy, which uh, was, I think we mentioned this when we studied Genesis 3. (coughs) It's kind of bizarre. Uh, Actually, the, the promise of the seed that would crush the serpent's head is not made to Adam, but it's made to Eve. It's made to the woman. Right, so you'll see this in the Old Testament, and Matthew has emphasized this actually in his genealogy back in chapter one. Um, 
that it's it's the it's actually Gentile women that are looking forward to the fulfillment of the promise made to Eve, right, of the seed, the woman's seed that would crush the serpent's death. If you prefer um, the egg <laughs> seed, they'll they don't make a distinction between the male the male contribution and the female contribution in the Old Testament, um, not having the same benefit of biology, right? But Mary is saved by the very zygote that's conceived by the Spirit in her womb. Okay, which is beautiful, beautiful. Um, so, and of course, the prophecy being um, the offspring that would crush the serpent's head, made to Eve. And then finally, uh, again, from the prophecy from um, Isaiah, again, uh, Matthew spins it out for his hearers that Emmanuel means God with us. Uh, eminence, we use that word eminence to mean like presence, and L is the word for God. So God's presence, God's with us. He's eminent. All right, so meditation. In the opening genealogy, Matthew lists five women, as I referred to, who are quote-unquote sinners, and from the nations, to point out that the gospel is for the sinners of all nations, right? So those uh, five would be, see if you can think of it, you have uh, Uriah's wife, Bathsheba, you have Ruth, Tamar, who else do you have? Uh, Of course, Mary, well, Mary's not from, Mary's a sinner of sorts, I mean, she's presented as such here. Who's the one I'm missing? Ruth, Tamar, that's Judah's daughter and also one who conceives by way of him, of her father-in-law. Um, all right, I guess I have to look. Sorry. <laughs> my brain, my brain, where's my brain? Where's your brain? Somebody will jump in before I get to it. All right, so the wife of Uriah, Ruth, I mentioned. Right, the wife of Uriah, of course, is Bathsheba. Tamar, I mentioned. All right. Babylon, where's the other woman? Carried off to Babylon. Joseph, husband of Mary. All right, so there's Mary. Isaac, Isaac, Jacob, Jacob, Judah. Da, 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 da. I'm forgetting the fifth. I'm sorry. Rahab, Ruth. Oh, Rahab and Ruth are right next. I forgot Rahab. That's the one. So Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, um, Uriah, and then Mary. Uriah's wife, I should say. All right, very good. So again, Matthew lists five women who are sinners and from the nations to point out that the gospel is for the sinners of all nations. He also makes a point that while all the others in the list had a father, Joseph was the only husband of Mary who was the mother of Jesus. Five times Matthew stresses that Mary was a virgin. Our Lord could not have a human father or he would have been under the curse of sin, that is, been a sinner even in the womb of Mary. This goes all the way back to Genesis 3.15, where it says that the Savior would crush the head of Satan, was to be the seed of the woman, not of Adam. Jesus came to save his people from their sins by taking their sins upon himself, even though he was without sin. He comes to give us his holiness while taking our sins away. Good. All right, our catechism this week, fourth petition. Give us this day our daily bread. What does this mean? God certainly gives daily bread to everyone without our prayers, even to all evil people. But we pray in this petition that he would lead us to realize this and to receive our daily bread with thanksgiving, just like we read in 1 Timothy 4. Right? What is meant by daily bread? What is good for us? Daily bread includes everything that has to do with the needs and support of the body, such as food, drink, clothing, shoes, house, home, land, animals, money, goods, a devout husband or wife, devout children, devout workers, devout and faithful rulers, good government, good weather, peace, health, self-control, good reputation, good friends, faithful neighbors, 
and the like. All right, so uh, everything is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Right, again, it's a key theme even here in Luther's explanation. Let me make one fix here while I'm thinking about it. Ah, uh, where is it? Text, layout. Dun, 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 dun. There we go. That's better. Get the lines right. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you generously give daily bread to us and even to all evil people without our prayers. You richly and daily provide us with everything that we need to support us in our body and life. Lead us to realize this, that we might receive our daily bread with thanksgiving. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Pray the collect for this week. Lord Jesus Christ, we implore you to hear our prayers and to lighten the darkness of our hearts by your gracious visitation. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray this day for faith to live in the promises of holy baptism, for all vocations and daily work, for the unemployed, for the salvation and well-being of our neighbors, for our schools, our homeschools, our colleges and seminaries, and for good government and peace. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Pray this day uh, for Martin, who yesterday celebrated his birthday. We also pray for the households of our church this week, the household of Doug, Renee, Pauline, Samuel, Dan, and Elizabeth, and Carol. We pray for, um, for Mrs. Larson and her husband at the birth of Dorothea. We pray for those ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Kelsey, Frank, Amanda, Dan, Timothy, Janice, Pastor Moon, Ken, Norm, Sandy, Kathy, Jim, Elaine, and Mike. Pray for our homebound, Bev, David, Roy, Willis, Mickey, and Paul. Pray for the missions and mercy work of the church, especially a place of refuge. We ask the Lord to give us victory over temptations and for safekeeping from the devil's plots. And we pray that he give comfort to those grieving, especially the family and friends of Roger, Rhonda, Dionysio, and Wallace. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. All right, let's pray together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings and life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. A lovely uh, Christmas carol here. This is uh, by Charles Wesley, one of the Wesley brothers, as you know, the Wesleyans, the first Methodists uh, from England. Um, but this is with an, Eng an American tune from Southern Harmony. Come thou long expected Jesus.
from the long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us, let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, above all the earth award, desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. For thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign Thy gracious kingdom bring by thine own eternal spirit, rule with our hearts alone. By thy most sufficient spirit, praise us to thy glorious throne. All right, good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. Um, it's good to have you all with us. Wallace, uh, the question here from Gus and Eileen Wallace, um, is the father of Mike Daggett. So this is Wallace Daggett, right? You saw that on the screen. Um, probably saw the obituary. I think it was in the last issue of The Sounder, right? This one, uh, Wallace Kowaskum, uh Roman Catholic, right? But uh, Mike is a member. Um, actually, his son Wally Jr. come and did electrical, come and did some electrical work for me. Uh, oh, a couple weeks ago. So, anyway, we keep that whole family in their prayers. Big family, thirteen uh, children, really beautiful. Um, and uh, Wallace, uh, kind of an interesting story. Um, actually, very interesting. He was a farmer um, after serving in the war. Came back, uh, did a farm in Kowaskum, and uh, um, was responsible for actually discovering. Um, I guess something that was pretty common, uh, stray voltage. So the electrical company um, uh, would have, you know, shorts in the ground, and uh, but would not actually uh, address them. And uh, Wallace was having health issues. The cows were having health issues. They thought that, like, they actually thought that there was like some kind of demonic possession because these animals would just be dying. They'd have stillbirths. All right, it turns out it was stray voltage in the ground, and uh, that was, of course, affecting everyone and anybody who touched it. Now, People, for the most part, didn't get ill because of, you know, rubber-soled shoes. But, um, and then uh, I think responsible for actually bringing not only lawsuit but legislation then uh, throughout Wisconsin in particular and maybe elsewhere too, in order to um, uh, be able, well, to require the electrical company to address stray voltage as it would be um, in the ground. Kind of an interesting story. Um, so, uh, 92, I think, right? Or maybe 93, so elderly as well. So, uh, but keep Mike and Mike and Jennifer and uh, Nature and Nicholas in your prayers as they grieve Wallace's death. All right, 
Good. So Lord be with you all. Keep you safe. And we'll see you again tomorrow.